My daddy's gone on, my grandpa's gone on, my great-grandpa's gone on. But they still live. You know, the, the spray is still here. Well, they tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise. Tell me of a home far away. Oh, they tell me of a home Hello and welcome. You're listening to It Still Lives, the Foxfire podcast, where we take you on a journey through Southern Appalachian history, one story at a time. I'm your host, Cami Ahrens. And we are continuing with our mini-series on the Civic Imagination Incubator. The Civic Imagination Incubator is made up of six creatives in Appalachia. Each one is doing something different and unique and using media to tell community stories and bring folks together. So far, we've featured a sci-fi author, an assistant professor of broadcasting, and a student in user experience and design. This week, we're going to be joined by Justin Hall. And Justin is also in the tech field and was raised by a father who he calls an artist and a storyteller. He was involved with music from a young age, embraces his Appalachian roots. After college, though, Justin pursued a career in web design and development, and he actually worked with a company that taught others how to code, specifically coal miners. So this is a really interesting part of his story that we get into during this conversation. Following that, he joined Awesome Inc., where he now works um, as director of adult programs, and he helps run their boot camp and teach, again, just folks how to do tech. It's amazing the way that he's been able to blend his love of storytelling and outreach in this tech field and to help raise up communities in Appalachia. His specific project for the Civic Imagination Incubator is developing an app for comic books. So Justin has this incredible vision for creating an Appalachian comic company called Dark Holler Comics. And he wants to focus the stories on different themes within Appalachia that counter Appalachian stereotypes and create a superhero from the mountains. And so he tackles some pretty big topics. Um, We get into a little bit about concepts of Appalachian identity and masculinity. So without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to Justin. My name is Justin Hall, and currently I'm the director of adult programs at Awesome Inc. in Lexington, Kentucky. I'm from Elkhorn City, Pikeville area in eastern Kentucky in Pike County. So I can I can go back to, to when I was young where dad had um, a, a studio. He, so he always had like a studio. And um, he was always painting and, and drawing. And so I, of course, wanted to do that as well. What was really interesting is he was an artist in an area where like everything was very rigid, you know, hardworking, blue collar. Uh, it was during the, the boom, I guess you could say, in Eastern Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky, Central Appalachia. Um, and everybody's father was a coal miner and everybody lived rough. And, you know, here he was, he was kind of a big guy, but so he was kind of like a gentle giant in some ways. And that um, was very influential on my young years uh, that I got to be with him. And so I had like a healthy upbringing of art and music and plays and all those kind of things. And so I knew what he went through. We, we talked a little bit about it, him growing up in that rigid environment, being an artist and being creative. And that, that was really rough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can agree with him on that. I kind of, experienced similar things um it was really rough trying to be 
um, yourself, I guess, and and being artistic in a place where, you know, everybody's father was a miner. And what do you think enabled him to be successful? What enabled him well, to pursue that career? I think it was my grandmother, Ruth, and my grandfather. Um, my grandfather was a gentle soul, and he uh, was also very much a disciplinarian, like he went through, you know, the army. And I think where dad was the first child of that, um, that my grandmother saw, you know, protected him a whole lot and saw that he was gifted and got him into classes and, and would allow him to go down that path. I think my grandfather probably saw that as like, well, he's different, but he appreciated it. He didn't, he didn't try to influence him to be something different. Now, I'm really curious about how you ended up in tech. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, that journey? Sure. Um, so when I was when I was young, like I said, around nine or ten, mom, mom and dad divorced. Um, before that, you know, dad would bring me all kinds of things. He had a computer uh, beta uh, tape player. You know, that was even before the. VHS won out of the you know the war between the, the two formats, um, but he had an Atari and um, he brought that home and I actually like would write. He taught me how to make some commands, and so I would write some commands like I would make a list of all the um, DC and Marvel heroes that I knew, and then I would run the print command. And basically all it would do is echo really out what I had written down. And I love that. I would do that. I'll, I would think of just lists I could make and just print just to see it echo. But it didn't do what I wanted it to do. Like I, want, I had more imagination, I guess, than it could do. My first job was with a baby bell. And I was a salesperson. That was my first job. I sold uh, internet access. It was 33K speed internet. And when I came on board, it was like two weeks where they were telling me, yeah, it's 33. The, the, the other one's coming. The better speed's coming. I'm like, okay. Each time I, uh, I sold those um, and the customer would get space on a server. And I was like, what is that? And so I talked to the local techie guy of the company. He said, well, that's where you can put your HTML pages and host your own website. I was like, no way. How does that happen? And so then from there, I just had this like uh, curiosity how this stuff works. And I made web pages and I would learn the different tags and stuff. Um, that was in 97. Uh, I still worked for the company, bounced around to different companies, still wanted to do tech, but nobody in the area had a tech job. And so I was like, okay, well, what am I going to do? Move away or, you know, try to do this as a hobby or something? Because I really liked it. Well, <clears throat> I had an injury in 2000 and it prevented me from walking for about six months. And so I, I got this computer, I had it 
because I wanted to, you know, the, move this forward as a hobby, this interest. And I really said, you know, I got to learn this stuff. I got to learn everything I possibly can because I'm probably stuck like this. This is my life. That's where I, I kind of got to mentally. And um, I would just uh, find code on the internet and I'd print it out and just kind of like try to learn what it did. That lasted probably for a good six months. I had surgery, fixed my back, very thankful for that and gracious. And uh, I did a couple of websites for people locally. The first website I did was actually for a, uh, uh, a landscaping company. <laughs> and then um, I moved to Lexington and got a job as a webmaster, which is kind of funny still to think about those titles and things. But it was those early years my dad giving me computers and video games and me being curious uh, to stick with it, even though like the green screens, you know, were just, it's not what I wanted. But when Flash and all these other code stuff that came out that I had access, I could actually obtain it. Um, that was before Google, right? BG, before Google. And so um, I, I loved what I was learning. I could, it was I couldn't keep from thinking about it all the time. It just held my attention and captivated my imagination. And that's what led me to today working at Awesome Inc., teaching people how to code and still helping clients and creating things that I like to create. That's amazing. I mean, I just love that you are so driven by your own curiosity. I just, I find that really inspiring. And I think, I think it's so amazing to hear about your intersection between your curiosity, your art, and your love of tech, because I, I feel like a lot of times they get separated. And I mean, mm -hmm. you're saying right here that, you know, your imagination and your art really got you started. Tell me a little bit more about Awesome Inc. and what you, I mean, you mentioned yeah. teaching people code, but um, can you share with me a little bit about your own experience and what impact it's had on your community? Yeah. Uh, in 2015, I got a call from my cousin Rusty, who's from Pikeville, and he said, um, "He said, can you teach a coal miner to code?" And I was like, "Why not? I mean, yeah, like, I know plenty of coal miners, and they're problem solvers. You know, in my early days when I grew up, I, I was afraid of them, um, and I had several that I got to know, um, friends of mine, and they were." They were coal miners and man, they worked hard and they were, you know, uh, kind of like driven, but also in some ways, I feel like they were also uh, uh, held back. But the library at my school, those books were paid for by taxes that those coal miners, uh, you know, paid. Um, and so I have a lot of respect for them. And we, got an idea to create a company in Eastern Kentucky called BitSource. And we would teach coal miners that had been laid off out of code and employ them to do development. And apparently that got some news and people were really excited about it. It did really well as far as like changing the conversation about what Eastern Kentuckians can't do. And 
was more about central Appalachia and people that live in the mountains can do a lot of things. They're very, um, you know, they're, they've got a lot of ingenuity. And so <clears throat> I worked with them for a long time. Um, and then in 20, yeah, 2019, somewhere around there towards February, they were like, Hey, uh, I think our uh, training is, has been good. It's over. We want to see if we can go to the next step and see if we can do this. And so they did, and they're, they're, they're thriving. Um, they've hired more people. They've helped educate the community. They're, a, you know, they're, it's a, such a good story. Like there aren't many good stories that come out of Appalachia. Just that's the way it is sometimes. But there, this was real. I mean, we had uh, Forbes written, uh, you know, several articles about us, and they said there were one in seven companies changing the world. Um, I got to go to the White House for a few a few times, um, or was invited, and I got to speak at an event that Obama spoke at. The biggest one thing was when Google called, and they were like, hey, we want to do a video, and we want you to be a part of this program we started called Grow with Google. And and so then that was another wild ride. But when it when it was kind of over, when like okay, we need to get to, get to work and get some things done, um, I said, "You guys can do this." I'm going to I'm going back home. That's when I went to Awesome Inc. And Awesome Inc. is a place where uh, we help find your definition of awesome. And you could be an entrepreneur. You could be an adult wanting to reskill and learn to code. Uh, you could be somebody that's in high school or elementary and understand uh, code through our coding club. Um, you, as a, you could be an entrepreneur and uh, become a part of our fellowship program to grow your business. Uh, and the community here is just amazing. The network here is amazing. Uh, and and we're able to like change people's lives and help them find really their definition of awesome. And that's so cool. What a great story. I mean, and to think that you went from self-taught to teaching now, what a great, what a great yeah. part. That's awesome. So now I guess I kind of want to switch now to talking more about your current project. You know, it's, it's in this conversation already, it's been a theme to have these superheroes come up. Yeah. So I've read so many comic books. That was another thing dad would bring home is he would bring home 20 or 30 comic books from the library. And I remember reading about them and, uh, you know, like the Green Lanterns, Spider-Man, Superman, Batman. Um, but none of them were from Appalachia. And I was like, is there a hero from Appalachia, dad? And he's like, not that I know of. And so I can remember that. Um, none of them are kind of looking like we do. And because when you're from Appalachia and the mountains, you know, it's you're like everybody, but you're kind of not like everybody. There's a little different. For me, when I was there, I don't think anybody there said, yeah, he's he's a, a true hillbilly or, you know, mountain person. I just I was more interested in the art stuff and the tech stuff and um. And then when I came here to central Kentucky, they're kind of like outside of the soup bowl, you know, of, of the mountains. And they were like, um, well, you're not really from here either. You sound a lot like them. So I was kind of like in between a couple of worlds. 
And so for me, I was like, that we, we really need to reshape this. Uh, we, we need to have a hero that's from the mountains that represents mountain culture and heritage and all the good things that we like about family values and, and home. And, um, but we also need for that hero to go out into the world and represent and, and shape the minds of what it means to be from there. And so I thought this would be a great story to find out that we have a hero in Appalachia and he saves the world. And so that's kind of where I'm going with this uh, story that's called The Coal Prince. And in some ways, um, this story is about my dad and, and me growing up in that area. You know, I think there's a couple of interesting things that, you know, you're mentioning on, um, and that might come out of this. And I guess I'm wondering how you see this impacting younger audiences in Appalachia, um, who are obviously growing up in a different world than, you know, what even like I grew up as a child, you know, and I think especially in Appalachia, people are feeling the the movement of younger people away from their culture and away from home, yeah. like you're saying, away from place. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm curious what what you hope to inspire in younger viewers with with a comic book like yeah. this. One thing I want to be able to do is is have the hero kind of like leave the area and be able to see that there's a bigger space that we're all connected to. And to be able to have that perspective and come back and still be appreciative of home. Because a lot of people leave. And then when they leave, they get this um, education that home was a bad place. Well, possibly. It was backwards. You know, it's not progressive. It's not this. It's not that. But being home and being in that space is, um, it's just really different. And what I want to get out of that is to be able to talk about and show how you could still be a superhero from that area, save the world, but be perfectly fine to go kick back on the porch with Papa on the rocking chair and have some peace. And so a place, home, that connection, I always want that to be the main thread in the story, but also how this hero acts and uh, befriends and grows trust with not just people around in the, in on earth, but also in the universe, you know, far beyond. Um, and I want to introduce other characters that are near and dear and that are also very far away, but have the same kind of conflicts that we have here and how to, how to look at maybe things like racism differently. And to be looking at things like home and what it means to be home, but also what it means to leave and kind of like level up and then come back home and share those things. So, um, yeah, it's a little bit like a combination of uh, Game of Thrones, I guess you could say, for the battles between the coal companies in, in the area and how they fought over resources and how... It was really a clan, you know, even the Hatfield-McCoy kind of uh, influence. It was really a lot of clans, and 
if, if you grew up on one creek and, you know, you were enemies with the ones in the next creek because you're fighting over the same resources. and But yet they would not be at all against having them over for a supper or, you know, some kind of meeting and share. That's just so much of a juxtaposition there, but it's really true. You know, we would, if you come up our creek, we're going to fight you, but, oh, you're from the next creek over. Well, we're having this thing we'd like to invite you. And it'd be, you know, that is so strange. Um, and I think it's kind of like worth talking about and telling stories about. Yeah, you've definitely got your work cut out for you, but what important messages to explore. And I, I think that comic books are a really great medium for this because, you know, comic books deal with really tough stuff. And there's a lot of things in comic books that people may not necessarily agree with, but it's, I don't know, something about the, the styling and the way it's written. It's easier for people to digest. So I think that'll be yeah. um, just a really great way to explore and communicate those things. The other thing that I'm kind of interested in is, you know, you're taking on the the image of a coal miner. And I wonder, does this have any, or do you see this as being a way to explore and communicate different ideas of what it, of masculinity in Appalachia? Because I think from an outside perspective that a coal miner kind of conveys a, a, a specific identity, a specific masculine identity in Appalachia, like the strong, tough provider that doesn't have much affection, right? Which we both know is not true. Um, you know, is that is that another topic that you're going to take on through this comic book that you hope to explore and, oh, and share with your readers? Absolutely. Um, that thread is going to be um, very persistent uh, or consistent throughout where uh, we've kind of lost a little masculinity in I think the world, maybe America. Um, and, and a lot of people look at that like, well, that's a good thing. It's like, I don't, I don't know. I don't think that that's a good thing. Um, I think there's something like a return on an investment and when we invest in the things that we do really well at, like whether it's male, female, whatever, um, then that should be continued and grown. I just think somehow it's been looked at because masculinity also brings with some a lot of negative things. And I can I definitely can understand and see those. But like in losing that, you also lose the other part of it. It's like it's like you make a decision really what you're doing is you've got a coin and it's got heads on one side and tails on the other. And you're saying, I'm making this decision, which means I want that coin and I want it to be on heads. But there's a tails to that too. And it comes with the coin. And so the masculinity uh, losing it, right. Means that maybe somebody, somebody else wins out and that's okay. But it also means that, that, that there's something lost in that. I don't, I don't know how really to describe it. I know that that's going to come up because I want it to be gritty and, and dark in a way. But also like the, uh, you know, some stories that we're seeing now that have strong male characters, they aren't afraid to express themselves. And that's like, that's um, appreciated, I think. 
but the coal miner that I knew, you know, the, the tough, um, rugged, they didn't express themselves. They just went to work. And so, like, what they used, what they would think, that's something, how they would feel, how could they express themselves? So my dad was the artist and expressed himself greatly in all this different artwork. But, you know, coal miners don't write poems. Maybe there might be a few. But like the one that's out there in the news and is seen by a lot of people, that's masculinity and all the negative things that come with that. So my hope is to highlight some of those heroes, the coal miners that also were the EMTs and the volunteer firefighters. And you're doing it on a digital platform, which is going to be pretty cool. Can you tell me a little bit about how you plan on integrating the art and narrative of the comic yeah. book? Yeah. So to me, there are several problems facing comic book world right now. Um, and it's not just me. I mean, there's, there's reports. There's some stuff out there that you could read how uh, when, when someone prints a comic book, it's immediately scanned in as a digital copy and shared. Uh, and the comic book industry itself is is kind of like going through a restructure. And instead of the PDFs that are generated from these pirating or from the, even the services that you can pay for, they, they basically give you a PDF of the book. Well, on the device, it's so hard to maneuver. There's a dexterity issue. And plus, it's not very engaging. Like just to have a PDF on your device that can do so much more, that can bring that story to life and enrich it, uh, make it more immersive. It's like we're missing the boat. And so what this system will do is hopefully allow readership to happen and adoption of some of these stories on a higher level using the same thing that we use in comics to tell stories and that's sequential art. But there'll be more things like motion or interactivity um, and then maybe even messaging. And what I mean by that is you want characters to come alive. Uh, we have things like bots. Let's turn those characters into a way you can interact on a deeper level with that story. Um, so the technology is not that difficult and it's there. So why not use it to enhance this experience and give another life to sequential art? I think the future of Appalachia needs to be changed somewhat. Uh, by the influence of things we're growing and doing, but also it needs to stay, you know, don't forget where you where you grew up. We can be high tech, but we really, really need to be high touch. I think what you're going to do and what you are doing is, you know, an amazing blend of that, blend of tradition, a blend of the modern. I can remember back... When I was uh, young, I having 4-H, and oh, we went to this thing, and it was uh, it was interesting, but like nothing where we celebrated the heritage. So anytime we can celebrate the heritage and the mountains of this of the good things, you know. Well, thank you all so much for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Justin's doing incredible creative work in this region and can't wait to see how he continues to develop his app and comic book series. 
If you want to learn more about Justin or any of the folks featured on this mini-series, please head over to our website at www.foxfire.org. You can navigate to our podcast page. We'll have links and resources about each of the folks featured, as well as the Civic Imagination Project and how you can learn more. If you haven't listened to our other episodes from this mini-series, be sure to check those out as well while you're over on our website, or you can download them from any platform where you get your podcasts. We've got just one more interview coming at you. Be sure to join us in just a few weeks for that as well. We're excited to be a part of the Civic Imagination Project and continuing to watch and monitor the incredible work that creative folks are doing in and around Appalachia. And as always, we want to hear from you. If you are creative, a media maker in this region, how are you connecting with communities? How are you telling stories? Reach out to us on social media at Foxfire.org. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you next time. Take care. If you don't like that, you can throw it away. I like it. <laughs>